This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is the Daily Digest on the Bigger Picture. I'm T. Shao Ik with Lim Su An and Juliet Jacobs. Today we are bringing you two stories. First up, so Singapore has announced a code orange alert in response to the novel coronavirus outbreak in the country, but that has resulted in a flurry of panic buying among its citizens. So we'll take a look at how panic spreads within a society and why that could be dangerous. And uh, over on Twitter, uh, in relation to our first story, because of the we're talking about how panic spreads within a society uh, in light of the NCOV outbreak, we're asking you whether you think people in Singapore and Hong Kong, some of who have been panic buying food items and other essentials. So we're asking you, do you think they are A, overreacting or B, being sensible? So you can always tweet us, uh, send in your thoughts, tweet us at BFM Radio, send us a WhatsApp message at 018-789-8899 or you can call us at 03 Tell us, have you started panic buying as well? Mm-hmm. And um, so on that note, you know, it's just actually for the second time in its history that Singapore has announced a code orange um, in response to the current NCOV outbreak in the country. So the Ministry of Health announced this last week due to a heightened risk as there are now four cases of the virus where the patients had um, no known links to China nor links to people who uh, were already infected. But that move to raise that orange uh, orange level alert actually sparked panic buying of essentials among citizens of the city-state. So, you know, you you have seen um, videos, images of shelves cleared of all the items, people with long queues in the supermarket. (laughs) Overladen trolleys. Yes, um, you know, huge bags, carrying huge bags from Cartons the supermarket. of instant noodles. Instant noodles. <laughs> the auntie with instant noodles yeah. has become meme worthy. Um, yeah, and so they were buying things like that. Instant noodles, rice, noodles, even hygiene products like your toilet paper. And so it's it's just quite um, interesting to see how, you know, that one move has sparked this total like need to bulk buy things. Mm-hmm. It's just a panic, right? So just a bit of background on the alert level. So the Orange Alert is part of Singapore's Disease Outbreak Response System Condition or DORSCON which is the country's pandemic preparedness plan. So the coding system was only set up back in 2003, and that was after the SARS outbreak. So DOSCON has four levels of alert, from green to yellow to orange and red being the highest level. And the first time that the orange alert was activated was in 2009 for the swine flu or H1N1. And if it had existed during SARS, it would have been classified as orange back then as well. So with Singapore now in code orange, the health ministry said they'll be introducing additional measures to in, to minimise the risk of further transmission of the virus in the community. Mm. So um, measures are being taken to aggressively try to stop or limit further spread of the virus. And this includes things like advising non-essential large-scale events to be cancelled or to be deferred. Um, also urging employers to require staff to conduct regular temperature taking at least twice a day. Mm-hmm. and uh, for schools to immediately stop all inter-school and external activities until March. And we should also remember that Code Orange is not the highest level yet. It essentially acknowledges that the virus is spreading locally with the possibility that it may spread even wider across the country. But the situation is still under control and the virus is being contained. So the measures that are being um, uh, implemented are to avoid further spread of the virus. Yeah, so the panic buying that followed the Orange Alert... Mm-hmm. Um, 
has prompted Trade Minister Chan Chung Singh to put up a Facebook post about it. So he reminded the public to not hoard items unnecessarily as this will further fuel undue panic and is really unhelpful mm. to the situation. And uh, Singapore's Prime Minister Lee Hsien Long has also responded. He said, and I quote, fear can do more harm than the virus itself. It can make us panic or do things which makes matters worse like circulating rumours online, hoarding face masks or food or blaming particular groups for the outbreak. Mm, and it's something that we're seeing not only in Singapore but also in Hong Kong as well. Mm. You know, there were people you know, just um, hurrying to get to the supermarket, sort of bulk buying essential mm. goods, toilet paper, rice, you know, mm-hmm. everything that you can keep essentially. Mm. And, <clears throat> and this was despite that the Hong Kong government also reassured citizens that, you know, there's no need to worry that despite them closing borders, they are still um, they are still leaving like two land border checkpoints open. Mm-hmm. They're still receiving goods into the country. Mm. There won't be a shortage, shortage of right. goods. Mm. No, that that there's no need for people to sort of worry and like want to go into like some sort of survivalist <laughs> mode, right? It's, like, yeah. it's not the it, war. It, uh, that's right. But you know, it, the pictures really make you make it seem like there is a war happening. Yeah, um, so what many of us you know what you may not realize is that this form of mass fear and panic could actually have serious consequences if it's left uncontrolled. Mm-hmm. And so to get more insight into this, um, I spoke to senior lecturer in psychology, Dr. Eugene T, earlier this morning, and I started off by asking him why people react with fear and panic, especially to news of disease outbreaks, and whether it's part of our fight-or-flight response. Well, you're right on that. Fear is actually one of our most primal and instinctive emotions and psychological responses. So it is indeed, as you've correctly pointed out, a part of our fight-or-flight response. So in this case, fear prompts us to move towards a more flight behavioral response. And evolutionally speaking, fear has served as well, motivating self-preservation and actions that aid in our survival. But just to extend on that, I think the current coronavirus scale also elicits another primitive primal emotional response within us, and that is disgust. So I think mm-hmm. disgust is an emotion that is elicited in response to offenses, to our sense of taste, and is often roused by biological decay and degradation. So unfortunately, what I suspect is also happening is that the disgust towards coughs and sneezes has also spilled over to its triggering, triggering a xenophobic response towards the Chinese, their eating habits, their hygiene, and the research also points out there's actually an overlap between what we call this taste-related core disgust and with moral disgust in which we feel repulsed by another's moralities. But in a nutshell, both fear and disgust, they elicit actions meant to move us away from the threat. So that's why we see panic buying, stocking up on supplies, masks. And we also make the assumptions that the situation will be sooner worse than it will then, then improve. Mm-hmm. So do alerts like this simply sort of trigger assumptions that we already innately have? Yes, I think it does. And uh, I think going back to the fact that fear is a very uh, very impulsive, evolution-driven emotion, I think this is a case of us trying to be better safe than to be sorry. Mm-hmm. And does that fear of sort of the unknown triggers a sort of disproportionate response and disproportionate mm. fear towards that threat compared no, to like something more familiar? Yeah, I, I like the term disproportionate because it is safer, again, for our survival and well-being to falsely claim a threat when there is none than to assume that there's no threat. Mm-hmm. But then there indeed is one. So in this case, we lose less when we make what we call a type 1 error, a false positive, than if we made a false negative. Mm-hmm. And I suppose across history, human beings have generally feared the unknown and the unexpected, so many things that we generally don't understand. So I think while scientists and researchers around the world are racing to conduct additional studies on this new coronavirus, until further details emerge on its biological characteristics, importantly, the method of treatment, I think we're likely to remain 
instead of prolonged panic, anxiety and fear. Mm-hmm. And how does that panic and fear then spread within a society? You know, and what causes it to, causes it to spread so quickly, like in this case? Mm. I think in a word, technology has a large role, a big role to play in this, along with the many channels in which information spreads today. So I'm sure the uh, listeners would be familiar with misinformation, fake news, unverified claims, even by so-called experts. These are rife, and and then we can even include conspiracy theories surrounding this new virus strain as well. As well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the psychological scientist, however, establishes that the spread of emotion, panic and fear in this case, is also explainable through a process called emotional contagion. Mm-hmm. So very much like the infectious virus problem we're facing, emotions too can be contagious. Emotional contagion is the mimicry and synchrony of emotional states between two interacting parties. But importantly, the research also points out, we don't need to interact in face-to-face settings for emotional contagion to occur. It can happen through computer and tech-mediated forms of communication. And we also know how fear and panic, uh, these are all unpleasant negative emotions, tend to have a stronger impact than the positive pleasant emotions, something psychologists would call the bad is stronger than good mm-hmm. uh, effect. So in a nutshell, a bias towards negative emotions plus emotional contagion plus technology equals what we're now seeing to be a, a wildfire-like spread of panic across society. Mm. And what are some of the consequences of having that no wildfire spread of fear and panic? Mm, I think because the primary emotion involved here is fear, there's a tendency for individuals gripped by the wide-scale panic to be rash and impulsive. You've already seen this in the case of panic buying, um, which is an obvious reflection of fear gripping wide number of people, large number of people, price markups amongst traders and intended cash in on the panic is another. But I think perhaps the most negatively impactful consequence of this is also the most insidious one. Mm-hmm. And the increasing likelihood of sharing, posting, disseminating unverified claims and information that breeds further panic. So if I'm a public service announcement, please check your references, your stories, your WhatsApp messages, and verify the truth claims of any information sent to you. So we may not all be medical professionals, but we can all play an important role in being arbiters of information during this uncertain time. Mm-hmm. And is it possible for us to, you know, how, 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 what can we do to sort of break this cycle of fear, right, to prevent it from spreading further? Um, it, you know, is, is sort of um, curbing misinformation a good strategy in this? Yes, um, I, I think I fully agree with you, and that would be an important strategy. So to rely on credible sources and websites for your updates, so, you know, I, I think it's necessary to just say that claims of whatever censorship from mainland China, it's like we need to show due diligence in the consumption of information that's being fed to us regarding the coronavirus outbreak. And because we know bad news sells better, we might take at least some measure to balance out that information with news or reports who, of, of people rather, of patients who have recovered from the virus. This is not to say that we should be unrealistically optimistic. But if we look for ways in which the situation is in our favor, it's improving, it's moving towards, you know, a potential cure, we might go some way towards addressing public concerns and overreactions. I think it also helps when authorities take the same approach, mm-hmm. uh, not to simply say calm down, but to uh, inform the public, the sources of accurate information. Uh, they could also go some way towards challenging misconceptions and myths about the virus and taking a firmer stance, of course, on those who have been found to be deliberately disseminating falsehoods uh, during this time. So that was Dr. Eugene T, who's a senior lecturer in psychology. So um, talking about, you know, why why fear spreads in society mm. during times like this when there's, a, uh, when there's a change in the disease alert, for example. Yeah. And, and 
I think about a lot of people um, perhaps um, panicking on seeing some sort of code colour mm. thing, especially <laughs> orange, like, whoa, yeah. it's just one step away from red. It's that this is a disease outbreak response. This is not a public emergency response. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just the way that then the health authorities of the country then have to take just slightly more stringent measures to ensure, you know, um, that uh, the uh, you are putting in uh, uh, environmental measures that will sort of try to curb the spread of the virus. It's not, it's, yeah, it's like you said, it's not war. Yeah. <laughs> I think what happened, I mean, some of the articles I read, you know, some of this was for Singapore, of course, they said that people didn't understand what the orange level meant, right? So they just thought, okay, there's some level being announced, Mm. so therefore it's time to panic. That's right. And I think the people who didn't panic saw the others panicking and then started panicking (laughs) when they saw that. So that's really, that went viral, didn't it? (laughs) So that, yeah, it's really quite upsetting. But, you know, over on social media, we did ask you, uh, actually on our Twitter poll, we asked you whether you thought, you know, uh, the Singaporean and Hong Kong residents who started panicking buying food items and other essentials, whether you thought they were overreacting or uh, being sensible. And about 87% of you said that they are overreacting, mm. while another almost 13% of you said they are being sensible. And uh, some we got some WhatsApp messages as well. Um, Patrick said, uh, well, he sent us actually quite a funny um funny picture uh, in response to the disease outbreak response system condition, that acronym of uh, DORSCON. So uh, apparently there's a meme going around that says it should stand for don't overreact Singaporeans, comma, can or not. (laughs) So um, that was one message that we got. And we also got another message from Steve who said he's definitely not panic buying. Uh, He said, you know, we've been through SARS before and he has faith in our government, especially the health ministry who are doing a good job. And he does say kudos to them. Hmm. And he doesn't have any fears over the coronavirus virus. Mm. Um, Nini also sent in a WhatsApp message to say that, you know, she is buying lots and lots of things and she sent photos of all the stuff she's been buying, quite a lot of them. Mm. Uh, but she's doing that before the price increases. <laughs> so, again, quite sensible, but uh, yeah, I think it's just getting people panicked love, for no apparent reason, really. Yeah, and you know, I if you are hoarding things like face masks, um, mm. when I, just think about the fact that there could be groups of people who are actually at higher risk and in need of those mm, essentials, right. um, whether you'll be depriving them of that as well. I mean, nobody's saying to stop buying. If you need toilet paper, go ahead and buy it. <laughs> um, but, you know, just in moderation. Think rationally. <laughs> yes. Um, well, uh, that's all the time we have for this story. Um, we'll be going into our second story after the break. But if you want to share any more thoughts or, you know, if you've seen any pictures of hot buying and you, you want to um, send in any of your thoughts about that issue, you can tweet us at BFM Radio, WhatsApp 018-789-8899 or call us 0377332900. We leave you now first with a co-play with Don't Panic, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.